I'm Pace Hartfield, and this is the Creative Sheep Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Creative Sheep Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. My name is Jared Hogue, and I'm joined with my best friend, my good pal, Roman Johnson. Oh, man, if there's one thing I love to do, it's sit here and record this podcast with you. I'm so glad to have you here today, Roman. And we're glad to have you, our Creative Sheep crew, listening today. We've got a phenomenal interview for you here on episode 23 of the show. Ooh, 23. MJ. MJ, Michael Jordan, yes. Uh, It is not Michael Jordan on the the show today. Perhaps he'll be on episode 45. Yeah, yeah, because he changed numbers. He did change numbers. I see where you're going with that. Uh, No, today we have Pace Hartfield. He's a great guy. He's a really solid dude. I played basketball with him once. He's just the sweetest man in two shoes. He really is. Super nice guy. Pace, if you're listening, I'm sorry I just said that. Uh, <laughs> you know, we had a great interview with Pace. Uh, Pace was formerly the creative director uh, as well as a campus pastor at Fellowship Church, Ed Young's Church down in Texas, and has since moved on and 15 months ago started One Place Church in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And a uh, phenomenal interview with Pace. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. Uh, but hey, while you're listening, let's let's take a pause here real quick. And if you would, go hit the old subscribe button. Oh, you know what that's going to do? That's going to make sure you don't miss out on any content that we upload. You're not going to miss out on a chance to get better. You better believe it. And hey, if you would, go leave a review while you're at it. Leaving those reviews, just so you know what that does, it does help us, but it helps get us in front of other leaders like yourself to help them get better, just like we're hopefully helping you get better. So subscribe, leave a review if you would. And Roman, today's episode is brought to you by none other than creativesheep.org. Really? I didn't know that. (laughs) It is indeed. Check out creativesheep.org. We license premium media for the church. We offer pre-made as well as custom video and design work. You can check out our series packs. And Roman, love is in the air. Is it? It is. That's because Valentine's Day is coming up. Is that what you were talking about? Uh, That's what I was alluding to. Hey, we've made some Valentine's Day themed content just for the church. So if you are uh, at a church, maybe you're making the decisions on what to do for Valentine's Day, hey, go check out creativesheep.org. And uh, yeah, we got some stuff to offer. With some steals going on right now, through Valentine's Day, we've actually got Valentine's Day 2015, that is, we've got 37% off our Valentine's Day content. Jared, that's a lot of savings. (laughs) That is a lot of savings. So head over to creativesheep.org for a lot of savings on your Valentine's Day content. And now, folks, it is time for today's one question. One question, one question, it's time for one question. Folks, today's one question is coming at you like this. What is your top three favorite movies? Roman? Oh, my goodness. Just like that? Just like that. Okay, uh, well, I haven't previously prepared. Actually, I have. Uh, my number three movie would have to be Forrest Gump. Life is like a box of chocolates. Uh, Tom Hanks' performance in that movie, amazing. Such a great movie put together. Uh, I, I could watch it anytime. That was an uncanny impression I just did. It was really that. bad, actually. <laughs> number two. Number two is Jurassic Park. The first one. That's right, because I remember seeing that when I was, uh, when I was a wee lad. Uh, <laughs> a young in, pup. Yep, uh, in a drive-in theater. Oh, awesome. And uh, it was uh, so scary slash amazing and good. And it uh, changed the landscape of movies uh, with its visual effects. Incredible. Uh, uh, and number, number one. one. Drum roll, please. I'm drumming on the desk. 
The Lion King. The Lion King. Yep, Disney's Disney's The Lion King. That's my daughter Pepper's favorite movie right now. We have that in common. It's, <laughs> it's such a good movie. She's two. Hey, uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, you know, he's Simba. So He is, and Hans Zimmer did the score to that movie, and he also scored my number one favorite movie. Speaking of, yes. hey, let's hear from you. What are your top three? Top three. Number three is Up. Pixar's Up. Okay. Um, All uh, right. Please don't judge me. The reason I love that movie so much is it is the only movie that has ever brought me to tears, like sobbing tears. Wow. Um, which I'm slightly ashamed of, but also impressed that a movie could make me do that. <laughs> I'll tell you a movie that, that brought me to tears that I am ashamed of <laughs> uh, is uh, Armageddon. <laughs> You should be ashamed of that. <laughs> Michael Bay special. Man, when that, that Aerosmith song is playing, and then I don't want to, no spoilers, but yeah, it's re- it, is pow- it is a powerful moment. It is a powerful moment when you don't want to miss a thing. Number two, just any Robert Downey Jr. movie. I The Iron Man trilogy, yeah. The Judge. He's great. Uh, I'm sure there's more that I've seen that I really love. I just really love Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, he's a good actor. The Avengers, uh, man, he's, he's, he's phenomenal. And then number one. Hold on, drum roll. <laughs> it's the weakest drum roll ever. Man. The Dark Knight. Oh. I love I, I don't I love the Batman trilogy that Christopher Nolan did, which Hans Zimmer scored all of them. All of his movies. Uh but man, the Dark Knight with the Joker, hands down favorite movie yeah, of all Heath time. Yeah, Heath Ledger's performance. Amazing. Unbelievable. Folks, if you want to join in the conversation, let us know what your top three favorite movies are, or top five, top ten, whatever. Number one, even. Just top yeah, one. just one. Um, shoot on over to Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Hit us with a tag of at creative underscore sheep. We'd love to hear from you. And folks, that is today's One Question. Question, one question, one, one, one question. Folks, just real quick before we get to today's interview with Pace Hartfield, want to give some shout outs. Roman, we literally have listeners all over the globe. All over the earth. All over the all over the globe. We have listeners up in Canada. Shout out to our Canadian listeners. There we go. Uh, over in the United Kingdom, down in Australia. Nice. And even in Germany. No way. We, we do. Don't, we don't even translate our podcast into German. We do not. Um, I've never been to Germany. Me either. But our voices have traveled over to Germany. The internet. <laughs> <laughs> but specifically, want to shout out Germany because Pace was actually born in Germany which I found out on this interview. Folks, it's a phenomenal interview. Pace has just got an incredible heart for people and making a difference in the world for Jesus. And uh, he was at Fellowship Church for 16 years under uh, the leadership of Ed Young, started in student ministry, became the creative director. And before he left Roman, he was the uh, a campus pastor over two campuses, oversaw all of the other campus pastors, and he was still remaining the creative director while doing all of this. Does he have some sort of cloning machine or, or time machine, perhaps, to it get def- all this stuff done? It definitely seems like it. And about 15 months ago, at the time, at least at the time of this recording in uh, January of 2016, uh, Pace launched out with the support of Ed and Fellowship Church and started his own church, One Place Church in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And so getting to hear Pace's journey and his story is just incredible. So without further ado, let's get to today's interview with Pace Hartfield. Man, Pace, thank you so much for joining us today. Man, great to be with you guys. Okay, well, hey, let's get right to it here. For the folks out there listening that uh, maybe don't know who Pace Hartfield is, uh, let's get a little backstory. So just a quick snapshot here. First off, where were you born? I was born in Frankfurt, Germany. Seriously? 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm an army brat. So, um, <laughs> grew mostly, you know, grew up mostly in the South and the dirty, dirty, but lived a couple of years in Germany. Um, uh, but then from Germany to Florida, lived in Alabama, lived in North Carolina, um, Tennessee, and then went to Texas for, for my graduate school. And, uh, was there for a while now. Here I am in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Man, you have been all over the place. Yeah, I'm a Southern boy, though. Mostly the Dirty Dirty. That's my influence. <laughs> um, you know, primarily Charlotte, North Carolina, and um, West Tennessee, a little town called Trenton, Tennessee. Nice. So you keep referring yeah, to man. it as the Dirty Dirty. <laughs> do, you, do you enjoy rap music? You know, I actually, um, yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick, just just for those out there listening, your favorite '90s rap or hip hop song? Oh my gosh, I don't even know that I can um, choose one. <laughs> give us like, um, just give us like five. They don't have to okay, be your favorites. Uh, okay, this one's this one's not even like doesn't. It, this is not great as far as uh, it didn't shake the the rap world. Um, but uh, Sir Mix a Lot, my posse's on Broadway. That is fantastic. I mean, that's, that's old school. So the same artist that, uh, known for Baby Got Back. Yeah, my posse's on Broadway. <laughs> Come on, somebody. That's incredible. Okay, um, what else or, you got? Hey, I mean, Bone, Bone Thugs and Harmony. Mm, now we're talking. Um, come on. Yeah, how about that? L- you, let me ask you. Do you, you like you, some Bone Thugs and Harmony? I do, I do. Would you pick uh, as your, fa- and maybe neither one of these falls into yours, and Crossroads is like probably the most song they're Maybe well at known the for. crossroads. Oh man, keep Maybe singing. Maybe at the crossroads. Oh man, gosh, that was beautiful. Tell me what you gonna do when it ain't nowhere to Come run? Come on, we're the, we're the next Bone Thugs and Harmony. I'm feeling it right now. Or <laughs> is it is it first of the month? Yeah, Which would you pick? Of the month, get up, get up. Mm. Uh, tested checking. Uh, let's see. Or do you I'm have to say crossroads? Okay, give okay, crossroads. that's fair. Of those two, give me crossroads. You can't when the synth comes on at the beginning of that song. You can't help but not lose to to not lose your mind. Just no. because it's so good. Yeah, so good. It's so good. Yeah. All right, give us a couple more, real quick. Oh man, um, gosh, it's one of those things when you're asked, your mind goes blank. You know, that's I'm fair. Here. That's fair. We we, we uh, may come back to that a little later on then. But oh yeah. man, that you just made my day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so moved all over the place. You you've wound up in Idaho of all places. Did you ever think that you would wind up in Idaho? No, I didn't even know where Idaho was. To be honest with you, that shows you just my um, you know geographical brilliance. <laughs> um, I mean, when I thought honestly, when I when I thought about Idaho. I was thinking more Iowa. I was thinking more Midwest, but it's it's about as far northwest as you can get on the map, um, wow. apart from Seattle. So nice, and it's actually more north than Seattle. So I don't know that I knew that now. So you've definitely yeah, got me go. beat on the geography lesson for the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, so moved all over the place. After being born in Germany, you move all over the place. Did you grow up uh, a Christian, or did you meet Jesus later on in life? What, what was your kind of conversion story? No, growing up, um, being an Army brat, bouncing you know, from military base to military base, church really wasn't um, a part of our, our life. Mom and Dad both grew up 
um, in the South as well. My father in Mississippi and in, in, in Southern Mississippi, Hattiesburg, my mom in, in West Tennessee, uh, they have Baptist roots. Both of them, uh, you know, were believers, uh, but church uh, just wasn't a picture, um, you know, as, as a part of our family, it just wasn't in the picture. We, we would go on occasion. Um, when we moved to, to Charlotte, we were involved on occasion. We would go to this Methodist church. Um, and then when we moved to Tennessee, you know, we, we were off and on. We were kind of that, you know, Easter Christmas kind of family. Um, but, you know, being in the South, and this is just typical South, you kind of you kind of grow up thinking you're a Christian, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, everybody in the South is a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, um, but no, church, church wasn't really a part of <clears throat> our family. Um, as I got into junior high and high school, you know, there were some camps and youth group stuff that I jumped into, but really more from the social side of things. You know, Jesus wasn't uh, really, uh, you know, real to me. Uh, I, I think I probably, I think I probably believed in God, but I don't know that I believed God. You mm. know, I believed in Jesus, but I don't know that I believed Jesus. And and so there certainly wasn't um, a trusting Him with my day to day decision making, and you know, um, uh surrendering or submitting to his design for my life. Um, that happened when I was in high school, um, at the age of 16, you know, I gave my life uh, to Jesus and everything changed for me. And I, I have one of those radical, you know, um, stories of, of, a, of a complete 180. Um, my sister completely opposite. She, you know, 4.0 student always had a nose clean, um, gave her life to Jesus in the seventh grade. Um, my life, I, I tried everything you could in high school, you know, to find fulfillment and satisfaction and all those things. And, um, really realized that, you know, um, by God's grace that I was, I was just coming up empty. And so I gave my life to Christ when I was 16, a guy um, by the name of Fred Thompson led me to the Lord. And, um, yeah, that's where the, the script was slipped in my life for sure. Very cool. So did you, was it at that point that you, you thought I want to go into full-time ministry or was it more just like, yeah, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And that's kind of all the thought was at the time. Um, my grace reception was such a, it was such a, 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 a real reception and um, that I think when I, when I received Christ, I, I was so, I was just real so overwhelmed by the grace and the fact that he invited me in and um, that really marked me and it really put me on a pursuit of um, wanting to know him more and, and to make him known more. No doubt about it. Like, I, I mean, um, when I really fully grasped grace and let grace grasp me, it, it, it did. It changed. It changed things. I, I had planned on um, being a physical therapist and doing sports medicine. Hmm. And, um, was, you know, was, was, uh, you know, very involved in athletics, you know, in, in high school was going to try to run that route. Um, but r- six months after I gave my life to Christ, I was actually at a camp in East Tennessee up in the mountains. And, uh, that's where God, uh, you know, called me into to full-time ministry, if you want to call it that. Um, so, you know, I remember that moment just very clear. It was a, a clarion call from God and, I really felt like I was more invited in, you know, part of my mantra in life and in Christianity is I can't believe I've been invited to the table. 
Mm-hmm. And since I've been in the divide of the table, I want to get as many people to the table as possible. And um, so when, when I gave my life to, to Christ and moved into giving my life to him and, and, and saying, I'm going to, I want to, I want to do all I can with all of my life to, to help other people know you. Um, some people call that a surrender and I understand where they're coming from, but for me, it's more of a, it really felt more like a, Oh my God, I get to do this. Are you kidding me? You know, it was an invitation. So cool. So cool. So t- you said you were headed down the kind of the sports medicine route. Did you, did you play sports in high school? Yeah, I did. I played um, basketball, um, football, and uh, tennis. Wow. In golf, a little bit of golf. Yeah. So awesome. Loved them all. Yeah. So, okay, let, let's jump back just a little bit. Before you gave your life to Jesus, you talked about you were kind of the family that went to church at Christmas and the Easter, and you even referenced kind of that Methodist church you went to for a little while, um, and even some of the teen camps or youth camps that you went to. What did did those really have any impact on you? Did they have any kind of draw for you that early on, or was was it just so irrelevant, or or whatever the case may be, that it just kind of kept you at bay, or were you just not ready, or how would you put it? You, you know, I, I certainly um, I certainly think that hearing of God's love, um, you know, in those just pivotal years of my my life, you know, growing up. Um, I'm sur- I-, I think that probably opened me to the gospel, um, but it did from uh, from from a side of the the methodology of the churches that um, we would go to on, on occasion um, to um, the way whether it's whether it was the worship or the message uh, completely over my head, very uncomfortable there, bored out of my mind, um, you know, most of the time. And so from that side of things, I guess I, I always, you know, as a junior high and high school kid, I, I just always thought, you know, that God was, was irrelevant, you know, to my life. I just didn't see how it, how it um, made any of a difference. I didn't understand it at all. Very interesting. Very interesting. So through all of this, once you gave your life to Jesus and then you, you, uh, you started realizing ministry was the route you wanted to go, have you, were your parents supportive of you going this direction? You know, crazy enough, um, initially, you know, you know, my, my father being in the military, um, I think he probably hoped that that was something that I would do. My brother, my older brother, um, was also in the army and, you know, um, I think he wanted me to do the officer school and, 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 and go that route. Um, I think there was some definitely some um, head scratching when I told him when I came back and said this is what I'm going to do, um, because it literally it it shifted my trajectory of of school pursuit. I went from you know wanting to go to the University of Tennessee to going to um, a liberal arts school, Christian liberal arts school called Union University, and so um, that you know that was a bit bit of a head head scratcher for them. And at the time. You know, church um, wasn't as just uh, like I said, wasn't a big part of our, our of our family. But my sister, who had given her life to Christ, and she's a year older than I am, um, back when she was in seventh grade, she had been living her faith out consistently in front of me and for my parents um, all those all those those years. And so when I gave my life to Christ, my parents saw an immediate change in my life. And um, really, really long story short, my mom is an alcoholic. I grew up 
um, with that in my home. And, um, it, it, you know, just brought some, some major dysfunction, uh, in our home. Um, but as we begin to live out our faith in front of our parents, my sister and I, um, it made a difference for, to my parents and it really began to, um, refuel, rekindle their relationship with God. They both had one. They knew Jesus. They, they had a relationship with Jesus. They just weren't walking, you know, with Christ. Well, really long story short, um, my, my sister and I were going to go to this interdenominational retreat up in Kentucky and just kind of a long shot. We invited our parents. Our parents said, yeah, we'll come check it out. And really to my shock, I mean, here we are, my, my father, you know, um, hard guy, you know, great guy. I mean, my, my, my dad was a great dad. Um, but, but he's a military man. If anybody that grew up with a father in the army, they know where I'm talking about, but, um, to see, to see them say, yeah, we'll go and, and to this, to this retreat about God, it, it completely, um, I mean, it floored us. And so, uh, man, this is like a completely different, I mean, this completely side, side story. It's a miracle. But my mom at this point was a 16 year alcoholic. We go to this retreat. I was sharing my testimony to the students and speaking to the students as a high school student. All the parents were off into these cabins and my mom, um, asked, for prayer, for her problem, um, for her alcoholism. Wow. And I remember um, while I was finishing up my my testimony in front of these students, you know, there's a couple hundred students there. I look in the back, I could see my father's in the back of the room. It concerned me because I didn't see my mom. I walked back to the room. I could tell my dad had been crying. My, my dad doesn't cry. He's a military guy, you know. Um, I asked him what's going on. He gives me a hug, which wasn't normal gives me a hug and says, it's gonna, everything's going to be okay. And I'm freaked out. I'm thinking, honestly, mom has done it again. She's embarrassed us. Um, she couldn't, she couldn't even stay sober for a day. And, and, and so he's, you know, he's just trying to console me and let me know something really bad just happened. So I asked him, what are you talking about? And he said, your mom asked for prayer tonight for her drinking problem. And I believe God healed her. And, uh, to hear my father say that, um, I mean, that was like hearing him speak Mandarin, I mean, Mandarin, like, I'm like, what, what, who are you, what, what's this coming out of your mouth? You know? And, uh, my mom hasn't had a drop of alcohol since that, since that night she's been sober. So God miraculously healed her, you know, that night in Kentucky Wow. Um, at that retreat. So that changed our family. Um, that changed our family's pursuit. Mom and dad um, got connected to a church there in, in that small town in Tennessee. Um, dad is active in leadership there. My mom, you know, runs um, all the benevolence ministry for that church. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, God is good. <laughs> so, Praise God. Good night. This is an incredible story. So how old were you when, when, when this happened? I would have been um, 17. 17. Yeah. So your sister would have been 18. Yeah. Yeah. She would have been a senior. I was a junior. What an, what an incredible story of how the children of the family can change the trajectory of the entire family. That's un- yeah. It, it, oh my it was, gosh, it was awesome. incredible. And my sister was is just just a rock in our family, and uh, always has been. And I think that you know, um, 
you know, we were, we were all of our, I've got a, an older brother and we're all raised to be respectful. You know, we were good kids from the side of, you know, um, honorable to people. And, you know, that's just the way you're raised in the South, especially with a, a, a father in the army. Um, we're just good Southern people, um, polite, hospitable. Um, but you know, my, my, um, you know, my, my lifestyle, you know, wasn't nice <laughs> for lack of a better word. Well, but, and so, and, but, but no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, all right. Uh, I was just going to say, but growing up, like you said, uh, with a father in the army, and you even said, if you if you grew up with a father in the army, you know what I'm talking about. And I don't mean to be stereotypical here, but typically, from at least the people that I know that have grown up in that kind of home, the story goes that typically the army is brought home, essentially. And then, sure, you, I mean, you know, just all the discipline, you know, um, right, uh, you know, the harshness. All of that. Yeah. I mean, my, this is just, it's kind of funny. I can laugh at it now looking back, but you know, my, my had room, my brother and I shared a room growing up and we had room inspection on Saturday, you know, and my dad had to be, had to be able to bounce a quarter off the, off, you know, off our beds that the sheets would be, you know, wrapped that tight, you know, and, and and some of it was fun and was a game, but, but also under, it was an undertone with expectation, you know, really, really kind of, uh, I think, was what painted my picture of God for the longest time that, that he was this, um, distant deity that I don't know that I could ever live up to expectation wise. That's, you know, a lot of us have daddy issues <laughs> and our perspective of God comes from, from our, our earthly father, um, our relationship with our earthly father or lack thereof. And so that, that was certainly probably true of me. Wow. Man. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, kind of jumping ahead here then, when, so, so you get saved at 16, uh, you end up going to the liberal arts school. You said, was it Union? I'm blanking yep. on this. Union, Union University. Union University. Yeah. Union University. Yeah. That's an easy one to say. Uh, and then, <laughs> yeah. uh, so then from there, you said you went on to grad school. Is that right? In Texas? Yeah, I, I majored in Christian studies there at Union and then um, did some seminary extension um, while my wife, um, She's two years younger than I am, so I waited for her. And so during that two years that she was still in, in undergrad, I was doing some some of my graduate work. I went to, to the Dallas-Fort Worth area to finish my my um, my graduate work. I went to seminary at Southwestern Theological. So that's what brought us to Texas. Very cool. We thought it was going to be a pit. Yeah, we thought it was just going to be a pit stop, you know, <laughs> go and, you know, two and a half, three years, finish up my my school. And then, um, you know, we, we, my, my wife grew up in, uh, in Denver, you know, uh, Inglewood, uh, in, in Colorado, all of her, a lot of our families there. And so we, we love the mountains, always have loved the mountains. We thought we would, we would head to Colorado or somewhere around that way to, to be a part of a church. Um, but guys, you know, had different plans. Yeah. So when did you get married? Gosh, man, I got married. I'm old. Jared, I got married in um, in August sixteenth, nineteen ninety seven. Right on, right on. So, wow, you're you're pushing twenty years. Come on, almost, yeah. Good night. Good for you. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. How many kids now? We have four kids. Yeah, ranging from um, the age fourteen down to age three. Wow, that's we got a, big a pretty spread. good spread. No kidding. <laughs> Always a party. Two boys, two girls. 
um, you know, always a party at the Hartfield house. <laughs> yeah. And if you follow <laughs> you on social media at all, you'll see that that is very true. Uh, I, I yeah, tend man. to stalk you on there. So I, I get to see <laughs> the parties that are going on. Uh, so like you said, you thought going to uh, graduate school in Texas was just going to be a pit stop. Um, what, but you actually ended up working at Fellowship Church, at Young's Church. Um, and how long were you there? I was there almost 16 years. Good night. Was that your first yeah. job in ministry? No, um, my first job in ministry, crazy enough, uh, was when I graduated straight out of high school. Um, I was given a youth pastor position at a at a church in the town I grew up in, First Baptist Trenton. I couldn't believe they hired me. I was eighteen years old. <laughs> oh wow! And yeah, and so what I would do is I would I would come back on Sundays and back on Wednesdays to do you know to do the student ministry there. You know, it was a church of about three hundred fifty people. You know, I had, you know, 50 to 75 kids. And uh, yeah, that was my first ministry experience. I couldn't believe they, I mean, I was barely, I mean, these were some of my friends. Yeah. <laughs> and now I was their student pastor. <laughs> Fresh out of high school, no less. Good grief. That's awesome. Yeah, straight out of high school. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I did that for a little while and then um, had a few other opportunities in, in college to do. Um, some more student ministries in, in a little bit larger churches, did some itinerant speaking, preaching, um, you know, doing little youth revivals and church weekend revivals and, and all that kind of stuff while I was in Tennessee. Very cool. So then you end up <laughs> at Fellowship for 16 years. Uh, yeah, you know, I, when, when, we went to de- when we went to Fellowship, I'd heard about uh, Ed Young and heard about Fellowship Church while I was in Tennessee, the church that I was serving at, um, actually the guy that I was uh, working with interviewed for the position that I later got as a student pastor. So the first seven years at FC, I was a student pastor. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, awesome. We, yeah, we took a student ministry that the church had just transitioned. It, the, 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 one of the incredible things that a lot of people don't realize about Fellowship Church is that its first eight years, they were mobile. So some of the most explosive, incredible growth came when they were mobile. They were in Irving, and they went from MacArthur High School to the Irving Fine Arts Center. Um, They bounced place to place. Well, we came in uh, the summer that they had they had just moved into the their location at Grapevine right now, where they are right now. So what happened was when they left Irving, they left pretty much all their high school students behind. Um, because a lot of those kids were were neighborhood kids. A lot of those kids were out of um, Irving MacArthur High School, and so they just didn't come to Grapevine. So when I when I um, accepted the position as a, as a high school pastor, although the church was running at the time forty five hundred people, it only had a high school ministry of about thirty kids. Whoa, um, had a larger junior high ministry, you know, several hundred, but. Uh, but but as far as high school, so we really had the chance to to build something ground up, and you know uh, we were in the right place at the right time. The kind of ministry um, that we created just wasn't there. When we saw that, you know, youth group of high school students go from thirty to five hundred in a year and a half. Holy! Cow. And then up, you know, I think at at the peak we had over you know a thousand high school students coming on a Wednesday night. Wow, um, but but a big big part of that was right right place right time. We were in the peak of the, the explosive explosive growth of Fellowship Church. You know that church in our time there from you know we started there in '98. I mean I remember just 
week after week, you know, just here seeing this this church just grow, 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 adding services four thousand, six thousand, eight thousand, ten thousand, twelve thousand, fourteen thousand, sixteen thousand, eighteen thousand, you know, just explosive growth. And so we were obviously, you know, um a microcosm of that in the student ministry. What was it like? Like what did that feel like to be a part of something like that? I mean, your head's turning. You know, there's a big, there's, there's so much growth and, and so much life change, change happening. Um, it, I mean, it was a ride. Uh, it, you know, it's, you have to learn real fast, you know, I guess it would be, um, you know, there, there's a lot of benefit to it. You know, you're around some, some great, um, you know, some, some great leaders and, and, and great people, but, but at the same time, you know, you're, you're on your heels the whole time because, uh, man, who can keep up with that? Yeah. You know, who can keep up with that kind of growth? No doubt. So, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. Did, did you, incredible. did you find yourself during that time go, I mean, cause you said you went from 30 to 35 kids to you said 500. Was that in like 12 to 18 months, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Did you find yourself in that time having to watch yourself on in like that this <laughs> I'm not necessarily the one making this happen? Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, gosh, I was um I was 24 years old, 25 years old. Wow. And um certainly, you know, um easy for for stuff to get to your head. I actually I can remember um you know, somewhere around that time, it may have been a little bit later where, where pastor had called me in his office and he was, he was, um, you know, just asking me some questions about the student ministry. And, and, uh, he, uh, he reprimanded me uh, and disciplined me essentially. And, and just said, well, uh, man, this, this is incredible. And, you know, what you're a part of is bigger than you. Um, and he said, I want to give you a little advice. Um, he said, man, you need to, um, to, to do what you do consistently and um, keep your head on straight and let the game come to you. Uh, and, and what he was saying there is I think a lot of times when you're a young leader and you're involved in um, something great and you're seeing God moving in, in a great way, um, you begin to pursue and put on, um, you know, uh, really a, a glory that's not yours to carry. Uh, my conviction is that uh, only, only God has has the ability to carry glory anyway. Has the right to carry glory, mm-hmm. you know. And and so often we try to we try to carry the weight of glory. And so, um, so yeah, certainly some 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 learning lessons in those early years as a student pastor. And um, man, just the risk. I'm so grateful for the the leadership risk that Ed um, took on me. And, and, and the opportunity he gave me there as a student pastor and then moving on into some other, you know, leadership opportunities there at FC. I mean, definitely shaped a big part of who I am, you know, today as a pastor um, and even as a father, you know, and as, as a husband. Very cool. How, how closely did you work with, with Ed while you were at Fellowship? Oh, yeah, very closely. Yeah, I mean, in, in the beginning, um, as a student pastor, you know, I would I would say not as close, um, close, but not. Uh, there was a there was a season there where I wasn't a part of what um, would would have been considered the executive team. But uh, as I stepped in, served in there a little bit longer, then that relationship with with Pastor Ed grew, and um, you know, uh, him as my pastor, but then also as a friend, 
And so proximity, you know, with, with him and leadership um, was, was very close. So at that time, 24 years old, youth group is exploding. Who would you say at that time were some people that were an inspiration to you? Oh, man, easy. Um, There's a guy, I don't know if you've even heard of him, but there's a guy by the name of Bobo Shears. He's the guy who um, put really Willow Creek and student ministry, you know, on the map back in the, the, the early 90s, mid 90s you know, Willow Creek was booming and Bobo Shears was Bill Heibel's youth pastor. Uh, Willow Creek launched out of um, a student ministry called Sun City. And that was Bo and Bill. Well, well, well Bobo Shears um, was a mentor of mine and a guy that I looked up to. I had the chance to go, um, you know, spend time with him there uh, up in Chicago at Willow Creek. And it was a part of a, of a thing back then. Of, of a network of student um, student pastors from across the nation. So he was a man, no doubt, a, one of the primary um, you know points of inspiration for me. Um, from the speaking side of things, back in the day, man, I used to just wear Tony Evans out. I used to love listening to Tony Evans, mm-hmm. and then also um, a guy uh, Charles Stanley, old school. Yeah. And then there's an old another old preacher um, who was close to the the college city that I went to, um, but a guy by the name of Adrian Rogers. Um, he's, he's no longer alive, but he was a pastor at a church called Bellevue Baptist in Memphis, Tennessee. So those guys, those are definitely guys that were, you know, people that inspired me. Of course, Ed, Ed Young, you know, being there under his leadership as well. Yeah. Very cool. So, so you're at fellowship, you start as a student pastor, you're, you're in that role for about seven years. Uh, and then did you go straight f- from student pastor to creative director? I did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was a season there where um, Ed was really wanting to change the, um, the, the worship culture of the church and um, had tried to, he had tried to, to change that with some existing leadership. And there, there was a little bit of resistance there. And so, um, so yeah, I was transitioned in that role. He knew it was something I was passionate about because we talked about it often. Um, I was creating an, you know, an environment within uh, our student culture, which was, which was called the mix. It's still called the mix there today, but, um, where the whole thing was using a mix of mediums to, you know, to create an atmosphere for people to, for, for students to engage and be engaged by God. And, uh, and so we were doing a lot of creative things in, in, uh, you know, in our, in our student ministry and our worship, um, you know, was maybe a little bit more what Ed wanted our, our, our weekend worship to look like. And he then be, had, began to have some more exposure to some other great churches in the nation and in the world. And, and so, yeah, there was a, there was a, there was a, a culture shift within the worship of FC and, uh, and Ed allowed me to be a part of, of shifting that culture. Very cool. And so then you did that for the remaining nine years that you were there. Um, yeah, it's part of what I did. Yeah, I um, I I started just as creative director, overseeing, um, you know, just the worship and uh, media production, um, you know, and and all that. But but what it moved into was as creative director, then overseeing, you know, uh, all of the design, um, any of the media. Uh, any of any anything um, from a creative side um, in, in the breadth of our church, but then um, I also served as a uh, I don't know how to say, but more of like a quasi executive pastor oversaw 
um, the programming for the for the entire church, and then oversaw the other campus pastors. And then I was a campus pastor for two churches in, in Dallas. Um, so so when I left uh, FC, that's what I was doing. I was the creative director, campus pastor for two campuses, um, overseeing the other campus pastors, and and then overseeing the programming of the church as a whole as well. So a lot of opportunity. Ed, Ed was so gracious and let me be a part and have my hands on um, a lot there and to be a part of a phenomenal team, you know, there at FC. So you had a little bit of responsibility there at the end, the creative director, you're the quasi executive pastor over all the other campus pastors and you were over two campuses. Um, I, I'm not even sure how you balance all of that. I mean, it was, it was a blast and there are just some great leaders at FC. And so, um, you know, some of the, uh, I led how I, I was led. Um, I created a, a lead team around me and, uh, and we were able to carry the ball, you know, we didn't do it perfectly, but, um, but, you know, we did it with, with the time and the resource and, you know, the, the vision that, 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 that was given to us and we ran with it, you know, that's incredible, man. So, so cool. Uh, so at what point along this journey? did you realize that you wanted to be a senior pastor? You know, from the beginning, um, it, it was always a part of, um, what, uh, what I knew we would do one day. Uh, when I, when I received my call into ministry, it was more of a, it wasn't you, I'm calling you to be a student pastor. I'm calling you to be a senior pastor. Um, it was just, I'm calling you, you Mm -hmm. know, and so it became more of, um, well, God, whatever, whatever, however, because again, my perspective, this was an invitation. So I wasn't filling a script. I was saying, what, whatever you want me to do, it's an invitation. I'm here. I'm yours. And so as, as opportunities came and as we prayed and stepped through the, those different things, it certainly shaped who we are, who I was as a leader and, and, um, and, 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 and you know, now as a, a a senior pastor on all that had a, a big part of, 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 sh- of shaping, of shaping me. But my wife and I for, for a really, really long time have always talked and dreamed a little bit about, you know, um, taking a church, honestly, planning a church, um, was something that I had always dreamed a little bit about. My wife would always mix it. She's like, ain't no way we're ever planning a church. <laughs> you know, that's crazy. You know, there's no way we're going to ever do that. Well, here we are, but, um, but, but so, yeah, but, but a big part of it, and this is too long of a, um, you know, really topic to get into per se, but, uh, a big part of that was that I had to die though, to that dream in order to be fully, um, available and, and present to serve my, my, my pastor at FC. Hmm. So there was a side of that where I, I literally just said, you know, um, you know, God, cause I would find myself praying early on and saying, God, when and where, and when is it going to happen? And finally God shut me down and just said, you know, essentially, um, I'll let you know when quit asking, you know? And so there was a little bit of a, for lack of a better word, the death to a dream there. But what God did in that time, um, was, was shape me, show me, um, um, the power of alignment, um, the power of unity, the power of coming under authority. Uh, the benefit of that for a church, the benefit of that of of, of you know a pastor to have, you know men and women that 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 understand alignment, um, and, and unity and honor, 
And so, um, so that's what we did. And, and so we, we did that until we were, um, tapped on the heart to go, you know, and honestly, I kind of felt like I got a late start. I feel like I'm getting a late start. Um, but I know that, that, that God is, uh, is doing something incredible. And maybe there's some mistakes that I would have made earlier on that, that maybe I'm being able to avoid to make now because we, we, we're coming a little bit more seasoned, you know? Sure. So if you don't mind me asking, you said you, you feel like you're getting a late start. How old are you now? You started, you started One Place Church, was it, it a little over a year ago? Yeah, 15 months ago. Okay. Um, and, uh, and Jared, this is a sensitive subject for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> my age. You know, I've struggled with my age since I turned 30. And, and so every birthday I've had since then, um, I'm still 30, bro. So, uh, <laughs> but no, I, uh, I, uh, man, I just turned 42. And I can't even, when I say that, like, I do not, I don't feel 42. Yeah. Um, I remember, I remember thinking, you know, I remember my parents were forties in their forties and thought you guys are like old. <laughs> so it, it's always messed with me, but, but, uh, but no, yeah. So I, I, we started the church, um, I started that journey when I was 40, uh, and then, you know, turned, you know, 41 here and just turned 42. So, wow. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe, uh, I believe Chris Hodges started his church when he was 47, I think I heard it one time. Is that right? Oh, I, I, I don't Amazing. know that. Don't don't quote me to that, but I believe that's what I was told, uh, is that he started his church when he was 47, and he is wow. is leading now, obviously we all know, like the, one of the oh, largest churches ever. Uh, the guy's incredible. Which, did you, are you an ARC church? Uh, you know, no. Uh, relationally, yes, but uh, we did not... Um, we didn't plan as an arc oh, gotcha. church. I did go through all of the arc training. Yeah, you know those guys, Dino Rizzo, Mark Cleary, um, all those guys um, have been, you know, great friends over the years, and uh, they allowed me to come and and do all the training. And so I I, uh, I so believe in uh, if you're going to plant a church, man, I, I'd I'd say plant with. Um, I would certainly say, you know, plant plant with arc. Gotcha. So, so you've, you've, you've been a church now for 15 months. What, what was it that led you to Idaho? Man, this is another long story, but my brother-in-law, um, who was living in Pittsburgh, um, at the time he grew up in Pittsburgh, married my wife's sister, Leslie, my brother-in-law left Pittsburgh, moved to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and started a state farm agency here about five years ago. Uh, so I would come out here to visit them. Sarah and I would come and, and if, if you know anything about, you know, the Northwest, it's beautiful. It's mountains, it's gin, gin clear lakes, um, a real outdoor culture, you know, a, a lot like, you know, maybe people in Texas or Oklahoma were familiar with, 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 you know, a Colorado lifestyle in the mountains. Northwest is that, but with, you know, lush, you know, big trees on all the mountains. And, uh, so I would come out here to fish and come out here to, to relax and, and, and refresh and, and just to be with family. That was my introduction to Coeur d'Alene was coming out here to do that. Huh. And then the rest is history. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a funny thing. We, I was actually out here fishing with my brother-in-law in, you know, out here in the summertime, the sun comes up like at the butt crack of dawn. I'm talking like 3.45 a.m. Oh my. We were on the water and it was around 4.30, almost 5 a.m. The sun was, was already up. Um, it was beautiful. We were out on a chain lake and, uh, and literally I'm fishing with my brother-in-law and out of nowhere, um, God released me to begin to pray about planting a church. And so again, I had really sort of put that down and put that aside, um, uh, because that's what, you know, that's what I needed to do and, and, and had to do, uh, for an alignment and, and serving there for, at FC. And, um, so it was, I had this wind up going on the inside of me that I really didn't quite, um, I didn't know what was happening, a major windup. And so it's almost like, you know, those little toys that you wind up and you push a button and then they, 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 they release real fast. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, when, when I literally, I mean, you know, four thirty-five in the morning, I'm fishing on the back of a boat and it was like, God pushed this button inside of me and, and, and it was a release to say, you can now approach me about, you know, you can begin to pray. I'm releasing you to pray about, you know, planning a church. And I mean, it was an emotional moment. I, I, I remember trying to articulate what was going on inside of me to my brother-in-law who, you know, um, had no idea what was going on. You know, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in tears. And, uh, and so afterwards to get off the boat and I called my wife, tell Sarah. And I mean, from the very beginning when I, when I told her, I mean, I knew, um, I knew it was all God because she said, okay, yeah, let's, um, let's begin to pray about that. And so we did, we started praying and petitioning God and asking God where and how and why and what, and all those things we'd pray walk and after church on Sundays. And, and, um, you know, we, we just didn't want to take a step, you know, too fast. We wanted to be sure, um, about, um, you know, because our family, our, our life was at FC and we love dearly, um, everyone there and, and Lisa. And so it was going to be a big deal for us to step out, you know, okay. and, and, and we knew that. And so we, we just, we prayed about that and we prayed for favor in that realm and, and we prayed for the timing of it and, and just trusted God with it. And when, when he, he tapped on my heart one Sunday in October, um, to, 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 to step down, I, I called pastor Ed that Monday and we had a conversation and God, um, um, showed us favor and grace. Ed was, was so incredibly kind and in giving and affirming. And, uh, you know, uh, my, my last day was the following Tuesday. Um, Sarah and I, I mean, we hadn't put our house on the market or anything. So we're waiting for the house to sell. Um, you know, we, we continued to go to church at, 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 at FC until our house sold. And, uh, it was just, uh, it was a crazy, crazy season. Uh, but, um, it, I mean, looking back, it, it, it's, it's just, uh, we just see God's hand all over it, you know? Yeah. So from the, from that moment on the lake in Coeur d'Alene until the first service of One Place Church, what was that time frame? Oh my gosh. Um, less than a year for sure. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So my next question for you, it, it, there's, I almost feel part of it already, but my question is, what's the shift been like going from creative director to senior pastor 
when even at fellowship, you were filling the role of a pastor, even though you weren't the senior pastor, you, you said you were over two campuses and all the other campus pastors for that matter. What, what was that shift like for you going from being creative director to, and having teams of people to going to being the senior pastor? Uh, it's been, it's been an incredible shift. Um, and a lot of, uh, it's taken a lot of getting used to, I'm still, I'm still in the shift, honestly. <laughs> Um, because, you know, when you, when you shift from having, um, a team and, and already serving under established vision, all you're doing is carrying out vision. There's a big difference in, in, in carrying out a vision and, and creating a culture that supports a vision. So, you know, with, with, uh, when we stepped out and began to, you know, we moved here knowing only one other couple, we knew my brother-in-law. So our first gathering in our home was my, my, my wife and our family and my, my brother-in-law and his wife. That was, that's where we started with. And so, you know, you talk about momentum in a church and momentum in leadership. You know, when you're under a church like FC, you're borrowing momentum from your pastor. You're borrowing momentum from, 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 from history, you know? Um, well, coming out here, uh, momentum takes mass and velocity, of which church plants have neither. <laughs> you don't have mass and you don't have velocity, you know? So you have to create every bit of that. You've got to create um, a mass of people. You have to get buy-in. You have to, um, you know, cast vision in a way that is compelling enough for people to say, yeah, um, I'll stop what I'm doing now and, and come be a part. Or, uh, you know, we've had people on our team that weren't a part of a church at all and helped jump on and be a part of our team. And so, um, huge shift, major shift. It's, it's the, this is the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. And we've had great opportunities and had our hands on some significant things. I've never done anything harder than what I'm doing now. Wow. So, and like you said, just a minute ago, the, you talked about the, the borrowed momentum and the borrowed mass from your senior pastor. What's it been like for you? Because I would imagine at Fellowship, uh, and let me just ask this, at Fellowship, when you, when you left, how many people did you have reporting to you? I don't even know. Honestly, I don't know. A lot. <laughs> to more, where? Uh, yeah, def- definitely more than, um, yeah, a lot. More than what our church started with. Wow. To where now you go to start One Place Church, and it's you. Uh, how big... Yeah. How, 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 I know you said you're still going through this shift, but just going from those far ends of the spectrum from one to another, what kind of struggle has that been for you, even just mentally? You know, it's been a resetting and, uh, in some ways, uh, you know, God has just graced us with an opportunity of, um, of, of truly, you know, establishing as a family and, uh, you know, as, as people called by him, um, to, you know, to, to do ministry the way he's designed us to do it. So, so in some ways we really feel like we've, we've been given a clean slate. Um, although we're obviously building off of, um, a foundation of leadership that, you know, people have given us the opportunity to, to stand under. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a crazy, crazy, uh, shift. It's been, it's, un- it's been unbelievable. I don't, I, it's hard to even, um, it's hard to even, uh, articulate because, you know, you're, you're coming from, um, carrying one man's vision 
And again, carrying someone else's vision is different than carrying your own. Um, it's mm-hmm. there's a, there's it's, it's night and day, and it could, because as much as you even when you're serving under a pastor, as much as you want to, you know, you you obviously want to own the vision um, that that your pastor has. You want it, to. It's different when it's something that God's given you, and you you're now stewarding. You know, um, so it just weighs differently. It weighs a lot different. You know. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so, <clears throat> what what is the vision? If you if you can if you can pitch that here to our listeners, what is the vision of One Place Church? What is it that God laid on your heart to go do in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho? Well, I mean, um, written out, it's to see people far from God rescued and united in Christ. But the two words there that we key in on is rescue and uniting. And uh, and the rescue part obviously is a, is 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 majors on um, seeing um, lost people found and seeing dead people raised to life. And, and, and we believe that, that, that the church, that's the primary reason it exists. You know, it's what Christ commissioned us to do, to be a part of the rescue. Um, but also within the regards to rescue, it's, um, it's seeing families rescued. It's, it's seeing Christians who are, are living lives of defeat. It's seeing them rescued to live, you know, lives of victory. And then the other part that's unique in our vision is the side of you being united. Uh, I, growing up, have grown up in a, in, in, in cities and towns where I was always surrounded by, um, diversity. And, and I've always had friends, uh, in fact, in high school, most of my closest friends were, were, were black or African-American. And so diversity has always been a big part of who I am and who God's wired me to be. And not even just like, you know, racially, but just my friends. I look back in, in, in high school and even college, I had friends who were athletes, but then I also had friends who, you know, were, were nerds, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> just I've always enjoyed having a diversity of people around me. And God has given me an ability, um, a gift to to, to be able to thrive in, in, in diverse settings, but also to bring people who wouldn't normally come together, together. So, so that bleeds into our heart, the heart of our church is uniting culture to reach community. So it, it's truly like uniting, um, you know, the, the diversity in our city and in our region so that we can so that we can reach them, so we can see them rescued, so that we can see them step into their full potential in Christ. Man, that's so cool. And I know one of the one of the hashtags you use all the time, and you guys have promoted this a ton, is better together. What was that yeah, spawned I mean, out of? Is know, that the rescue or the uniting portion of this? It's both. It's actually both. It's rescue and unite. And um we really believe that a church should elevate a city. We believe that um, um, a church um, should make, uh, you know, everything about our city, everything about um, our neighborhoods, you know, everything about our cul-de-sac better. We're better together. And so a big part of that is is bringing people together. It is, um, you know, um, making relationships stronger. So so when we say we're, we're better together, that's just not a church mantra. That's that's what we believe um, um, part of our call as a church is, is to see, you know, see to fruition is that as a city, we're better together. Man, that's really cool. One of the other things I thought was really interesting, I came across this on your website. You guys do something called creative collaboration. 
What, what exactly is that? Um, well, obviously, serving at a, a church like FC that um, is really, you know, forged in creativity, um, you know, part of our DNA, part of my DNA uh, is, is, is creativity. I love, um, I've always, um, even before we were at FC, I've always loved to, um, to see um, what, you know, the arts and, and see creatives um, come together, get better at what they do and, and use what they do um, to reflect the goodness, the greatness of God. And so uh, here in our city right now, the, the current status of our, you know, creative culture is it's a bit disjointed. So we have a city where um, the music scene is disjointed. We don't have a great music venue here. Um, you know, there's one not far, you know, in, in, in Spokane. But, but, but within our city proper, um, the music scene's disjointed. They have a very proud um, you know, together art, like, uh, you know, painting and, and, and drawing and stuff that, that, that side of things is a little bit more united. Um, and so what we try to do is, is to create avenues to bring creatives together. Um, so that, uh, we just want to be in the mix of it. A big part of our philosophy is find out where the party is and go cannonball in the middle of it. And we, <laughs> we live that. in a, in a, in a, yeah, that's what we want to do. I mean, and and sometimes we throw on our own party and invite people into it. But but really, in cities, in where all of our churches are, um, you know, culture is 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 throwing party, throwing parties. And I think one of the the misses as a church is we feel like we've got to throw a party and just invite everybody into it. When really all we need to do is just go jump in the middle of 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 their party and be light in that party. Amen. Um, unite people in that party, and so that's what we try to do. You know, man, that's fantastic. Uh, so, uh, kind of going full circle, then here, are you now being the senior pastor and in, in in a startup church? I'd imagine it would be, but how involved are you in the creative process now? I'm very, I'm, I'm passionate about it. Probably to an annoyance. I'm very involved. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm still uh, serving as the creative director of, 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 uh, of our church, no doubt about it. And I love it. And again, we've got some, some great people on our team, you know, uh, everyone right now is a volunteer. We don't, we don't have anyone that's paid uh, on our, on our team. And, uh, and, and so you know, we God has blessed us with some phenomenal creative people. Our worship um, pastor Sam Lighty uh, is incredibly gifted. He's a great songwriter, um, uh, a crazy uh, voice from you know talent wise, just incredibly vocal, incredible vocal. Um, and and then I've got another guy uh, on our team uh, named Jeff, who is a young designer, but so he's so malleable and and ready to, to, to learn and grow. And, and so, um, man, God's brought some great people, you know, to us. And, uh, there's a lot of stuff that we're, you know, doing our, our experiences are pretty simple right now. You know, we're not real complex creatively sure. um, because we got to work what you got first, you know? Sure. So there's just some, some foundational things that we're still working on, um, before, you know, we step out into, you know, doing, you know, a little bit more, um, you know, uh, creative things, but, you know, creative is not necessarily always, uh, equates to big production, you totally know, agree. um, at all. So, 
So from that, we're still, we are doing creative things. It just doesn't look like what I used to be involved in. Definitely. Definitely. What would you say, looking back over the course of your career and up until this point, what would you say is some of the, the most proud work that you, you have? Oh my gosh. Um, I would, I would say being given the opportunity to, um, to birth the mix, um, which is the student culture at FC. Um, that was a, that was a, that's a big deal. I still, I still, I follow what, what God's doing through the student ministry there. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud that God gave me the opportunity to be a part of that. I'm, um, I'm humbled that Ed and Lisa gave me the opportunity to, you know, to do that. Um, also what there at FC fellowship creative, um, establishing that, building that culture, shifting, shifting that culture at the church. Um, proud of that, proud of, uh, getting, um, you know, record deals signed with FC creative. Um, that's, that was always been a dream of, of mine was able to do that before, before we left. Um, but, but, but in the, in the throes of all of it, just, um, um, you know, I think m- more proud of, of what God's doing right now, you yeah. know, it's, it's incredibly humbling. I can't believe that, that he's invited us to do this. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, it's unbelievable. Man, that's really cool. Uh, so to, I asked this question earlier and I want to ask it again. Um, so at this point in your career, in your life, in your family, who are some of the people you look to now that you say, this, this is who inspires me now? Gosh, okay. Um, from, from just sheer what, what grit looks like, my father. My father inspires me in a great way. Um, with with what grit looks like and and just being hardworking and disciplined and um, you know just that sticking to things. So my dad, um, in regards to like priority of family on my life, my wife is my inspiration. Uh, I've never met someone more committed to um, to family and and to to fleshing out you know, um, God's call in our lives as, as parents and, you know, as husband and wife, my wife is my inspiration there. Um, oh gosh, let me think from, from preachers, inspiration guys that inspire me, um, from Stephen Furtick to Bishop Jakes to Tim Keller. I mean, hmm. to even those other guys I mentioned earlier, Adrian Rogers, Tony Evans, you know, some of these guys, um, from generosity and leadership, just incredible leaders. Um, uh, Pastor Willie George, Kevin Gerald, Craig Rochelle, of course, Ed Young. I mean, these guys are guys that inspire me in a great, great way. Um, I mean, I, uh, in, in regards to adventure and fishing, my other passion, my brother-in-law inspires me. <laughs> um in regards to design and some of the arts and creative stuff that I like to do, I mean, just by, um, gosh, I'd say, man, a resource maybe, Behance. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as a web as a website, I love. I'm, I love looking, and I'm inspired by that logo pond. I'm inspired by by that. Um, I don't know. That that's a few things for sure. A few people. That's yeah. awesome. Very, very cool. Yeah, you got. I got way more out of that than I was expecting, honestly. Um, 
Uh, and last question for you. We're, we're running out of time here, but last question for you. What is one of the, if not the biggest thing that you're learning right now? Oh my gosh. Oh man. That's a, that's a tough one, Jared, because I feel like I'm at this, I'm at school all over again. <laughs> um, I mean, literally, I mean, it, there's, there's so much, um, you know, Maybe just give us uh, one. Maybe just give us a, a peek at something that, that really is challenging you and that you're being stretched in right now. Um, Besides the everything. Of, <laughs> the, the, just the importance of, of, of shaping a culture that, that carries out vision and just the team dynamic and all of that, the, the investment that that takes, um, the tenacity that it takes, I mean, it's hard work. And so, so just learning how, how that all, um, you know, plays out in, in, you know, in an organization or, you know, in our context at church, I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible. It's, but it's, it's, it's very, it's multifaceted. So every day, I mean, I'm in the school of hard knocks with it, but every day I'm learning, um, I'm learning that team dynamics, how important that is. Um, and of course, in the throes of all that, um, man, just self-awareness, I'm more aware of my weaknesses, um, in the position that I'm in. I mean, it's like every day looking at a mirror and noticing the big zip on your forehead. Like I, I, I'm aware of my weakness more than ever. And, but, but, but understanding the importance of, of, of not, um, letting that be a crutch, but truly, you know, uh, building people around me that can help me grow in that weakness, or if it's something that I'm never, uh, there's just a lid there in my life. It's, it's, it's letting go of that area and, and giving it away to someone else in regards to leadership. So long answer, but I mean, I literally, I feel like I, right now I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm learning all over again in every area. <laughs> Man, that's phenomenal. Uh, Pace, thank you so, so much for coming on the show today and sharing your story and uh, just being so transparent about everything. Um, really, really appreciate it. If if anybody out there wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to go about that? Man, of course, you know, uh, easy follow, just my name, Pace Hartfield on, on Twitter and Instagram. Same, same as on Facebook. I don't, I'm not really on Facebook that often, but, but, but I, I, that's there. But then my email um, is my name pace dot hartfield at gmail.com. So they can hit me that way and would love to connect. Um, always, um, I love learning from people, you know, and, and love, uh, you know, collaborating and coming together and, and, um, you know, leaning on one another. So yeah, that, that's the way that they can reach out to me. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, golly, I, I, I personally have grown a lot in this past hour. Can't, can't thank you enough for giving up the time. I know how valuable your time is right now, especially getting this church off the ground. Uh, thank you again. Oh, man. Um, Jared, I really appreciate it. Love what you guys are doing. Grateful. I mean, just hear me in this as a church planner. What you guys have created with Creative Sheep has been phenomenal. And as you've seen, we've used it. And so we use some of it even this Christmas. So we're thankful for you guys. Thank you for, you know, allowing us to do some stuff, you know, from a creative side that our team just can't pull off right now. So the assets that you guys have created, man, um, 
you know, you, you've made us look, look good. So thank you. <laughs> man, we're, we're honored that it would play in your church. Thanks, man. You bet, man. You guys have a great day, okay? You too. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening today. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us. Jared, in this fast-paced world of communication, there is so many ways to stay connected. There really are. And we we have several ways that we can uh, get in touch with people and they can get in touch with us. What what are they? Uh, we're talking about Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Well, okay? how would they find the us, three. though? They're going to find us by uh, using our username. It's at creative underscore sheep. That seems pretty simple. That's right. And they can uh, tweet us, Facebook us, Instagram us, whatever you want to do. Even just social media us. That's right. Uh, folks, hey, if you would stay tuned in here, uh, go ahead and subscribe on any, wherever you're listening to this podcast. We've got some phenomenal interviews coming up for you, not to mention all the folks that have already been on the show. Uh, but we've got some great interviews coming up. We're going to be talking with Peter Haas, the senior pastor of uh, Substance Church up awesome. in Minneapolis. He's written a couple of books as well. Uh, we've got Blaine Hogan, the creative director of Willow Creek Church, coming on the show. Josh Gagnon, uh, Robert Berriger is coming on the show. Uh, we've just got a phenomenal lineup of, of communicators that will be on the show. So uh, hit subscribe so you don't miss out on these amazing interviews. And uh, once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Farewell. Farewell.